This program is made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries. Hey, this is Rick Renner, and I'm coming to you from the Renner Family Kitchen in Moscow, Russia. And today I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite foods. And Denise loves it too, but we didn't love it before we moved to this part of the world. I'm talking about caviar. Have you ever had caviar? Caviar is harvest from sturgeon, massive fish that look like they are prehistoric creatures. First, they have to catch the fish, then they cut it open, and they begin to harvest all the caviar. That's true whether it is sturgeon or whether it is salmon, because there's two kinds of caviar. There's red caviar and there's black caviar. The red caviar comes from salmon, and the black caviar comes from these immense fish called sturgeon. And once they harvest all the eggs from the fish, then they begin the very long and laborious process of cleaning it. They put it through a grid over and over and over, and then they wash it, and then they mix salt in it. And finally, they take little tweezers and begin to pull out of the caviar all the little flawed, tiny, microscopic pieces that no one wants. And once they're finished, then they can it, they refrigerate it, and they age it. And the process is so tedious and so long that caviar is very, very expensive. And most people eat red caviar. And when we first came to this part of the world, which is Russia, we would go to a restaurant and this is the way caviar was served. Just on a little piece of bread with just a few pieces of red caviar, because by this time, the caviar business was in trouble because they had almost exhausted all the sturgeon and the caviar business was just suffering. But that's not the right way to eat red caviar. Now I'm gonna show you how you should really eat it. You take butter, by the way, this is called Russian gel. This is porcelain, which is made in Russia. And you take butter, just regular butter, and you put it across the top of a piece of bread. Wow, this is laying the foundation for the red caviar, which again is caviar, which is taken from salmon. Then what do we have here? This also is Russian gel. Look how whimsical it is. You take the top off and ay yay ay there is a whole bunch of red caviar. Well, if you're gonna eat it right, you need to load your bread with caviar. And once you're finished, you are ready to dive in. And it is just so good. But if you have a little bit more money, you don't eat red caviar, you eat black caviar. And here we have black caviar. And notice it's a much smaller quantity, and that's because it costs so much more money. And you don't eat black caviar on just a piece of bread. Instead, you take a little pancake, which is made of buckwheat. And before you put the caviar on it first, you put sour cream on it. Wow. And then when you're through with the sour cream, then you reach for grated onion and you put the onion on it. Then you reach for grated egg, just the white of the egg. And when you're finally finished with all that, then comes the crowning moment. When you begin to take a little bit of black caviar, which is sturgeon caviar, or taken from the stomach of beluga sturgeon or Caspian sturgeon, and once you're finished, you wrap it up and you eat it like a little pancake. Mm. It is wonderful beyond description. But 
This is one of our favorite foods in Russia. And this week we're talking about the things you need to have in your spiritual diet. Well, guess what? Caviar is full of protein. It's really good for you. And just like we need to eat food that is good for us, we need to eat spiritual food that is good for us too. And that is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to the program. This is Rick Renner. Hey, how did you like the introduction to today's program where I'm standing in my own kitchen in Moscow telling you about Russian caviar? Have you ever had caviar? Most people are a little squeamish about eating caviar because it's eating fish eggs. Well, when Denise and I first moved to this part of the world with our family, we were a little squeamish about caviar too. But when I tasted it for the first time, I said, wow, now I know why people like to eat caviar. And there are many kinds, but in Russia, there are primarily two. There's red and there's black. Black is the expensive caviar, it comes from the sturgeon. Red caviar is cheaper, it comes from salmon, and it's my favorite. I just love to taste red caviar, especially when you put butter on a piece of bread and then load it up with caviar. Ah, there's just nothing better than that. But hey, if you've never had caviar before, but you'd like to try it, then go to our website, and there on the home page, there's a place you can click where you can download all the recipes which we have shown you this week. This week, in our own kitchen in Moscow, we've shown you how to make Russian dumplings or pelmeni. We've shown you how to make borscht. We've shown you how to make beef stroganoff, how to make plof. Oh, plof is so good. And today, we've shown you how to eat caviar. So if you want to try some Russian food, just go to our homepage, click that spot on the page, and you can download all those recipes and let us know what you think. But hey, this week we've really not been teaching you about Russian food. We've been teaching you about what you need in your spiritual diet. And today is the last day that we're offering you the series called What You Need in Your Spiritual Diet. The title's very simple, the teaching's very simple, very practical, but I think very powerful because we really need to know what to have in our spiritual diet. When Denise and I got married, I didn't eat right, and I didn't like to eat right. I had eaten wrong for so many years that when Denise started introducing healthy food to me, I didn't want it. I remember saying to Denise, excuse me, I'm not a rabbit. <laughs> I'm not going to eat all that rabbit food. But Denise loved me, and she wanted me to eat right. And I had to learn to develop right eating habits in my life for me to be strong and to be healthy. And likewise, in a spiritual sense, we need to know what we need in our spiritual diet. So order this. Today is the last day which we're offering it in the program along with the study guide. And today is the last day this week which we're offering our autobiography called Unlikely. Look at it. Me and Denise there on the cover right in front of the Red Square in Moscow. This is where we live. It is so unlikely that we would be here. You may say, how did you end up there? Well, it's all in the book. The subtitle says, Our Faithful Journey to the Ends of the Earth. If you have a dream to do something and you thought you're just too unlikely to do it, please get this book, read it. It will energize your faith to believe you can do anything God will ever ask you to 
do. But today we're going to wrap up our teaching about what you need in your spiritual diet. So on Monday, we saw that we need to spend time with God. On Tuesday, we saw that we need to be quiet and pray. Being quiet can be a challenge. You have to learn how to be quiet. Then we saw that you need to do something for someone else. Oh, that is so very powerful. And then we saw that there are some things you need to say no to. And today we're going to see that you need to stir up the gift of God that is inside you. You need to stir up the gift of God that is in you. And this means you have to be proactive. This is very important in your spiritual diet. You need to understand you can't eat unless you put the fork into the food. Just seeing the food on the plate does not mean it's going to end up in your mouth. You've got to do something to get it into your mouth. And likewise, just because there's a gift in you does not mean that it's going to work. You've got to stir it up. But today we're going to begin with an amazing verse in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, where John writes, Whoever is born of God, are you born of God? If you are, say amen. Well, this verse says, whoever is born of God doth not commit sin. The Greek means cannot go on habitually sinning. You just can't do that if you've really been born of God. And then he goes on to say, for his seed, whose seed? God's seed remains in him and he cannot sin. The Greek says he cannot go on habitually sinning because he is born of God. But look at that word seed. That word seed in Greek, are you ready? is the word sperma, and it's where we get the word sperm. It describes seed of all kinds, animal seed, human seed, vegetation, but really in Greek it is the word sperm. In literal translation would be God's sperm is in him, which means the day you said yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit came into you, the divine seed of God came into you, and in that seed is the life of God, the DNA of God, the power of God, the character of God, everything that God is came inside you. All of that came in you, the seed of God, the day that you got saved. That is amazing. But you have to stir up what is inside you in order for it to really become activated in your life. And when we come to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. And at the moment that he writes to Timothy, Timothy is in a very difficult moment. He's probably thinking about himself. He needed to get his mind off himself and start thinking of others. But he was in such a difficult position that he was thinking about how to protect himself, how to protect himself from assault, how to insulate himself. That's never a very good way to think. And Paul says, Timothy, you need to get your mind off of yourself and stir up the gift of God that is in you. Listen to what he says. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Well, God already did his part when he put his seed in you. God put his gift in you, but now it's up to you to stir it up. Well, what does that mean to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Well, it is the Greek word anazupereo, which is a compound of three Greek words. And I find it important to tell you what all three of these words mean. First, we have the word ana. The word ana carries the idea of repeating an action or doing something again. The second word is the word zoan, which is from a root, which means to be 
enthusiastic, to be fervent, to be passionate, to be vigorous, to be wholehearted, or to be zealous. The third word in this compound is the word poor, which is the word for fire. And you have to note that in the classical world, fire was a life-giving force that was used on the hearths of every ancient home to keep people warm. It was used in matters related to the divine and the supernatural. It was used as a force to defeat enemies. And fire was so central to life that human life was unsustainable without fire. But when you take all three of these words, the word Anna, the word zoan and the word poor, and you compound them together here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, it is translated stir up, stir up. And the very use of this word tells us that Timothy's fire was on a low burn. And by using the word ana, Paul says, hey, Timothy, you need to go back to the beginning and do what you once did. You need to do it again. Do what? He says you need to stir up the gift of God that is in you. Wow. When you put all of this together, it actually pictures a person who goes to his furnace or he goes to his fireplace and he sees now that the fireplace is on a low ebb. The embers are beginning to go out. And rather than just look at it and say, oh, it's so sad that my coals are going out, he becomes proactive. He gets his poker, he puts new fuel in the fire, he takes his poker, he begins to stir those coals until finally, once again, there is a raging fire in the fireplace. Now, I'm going to tell you, this was all theory to me until our family moved to the former Soviet Union. And when we moved to the former Soviet Union, there was no such thing as central heating. In fact, to this day, we have no such thing in Russia as central air. We still don't have that. But especially back in those days, in the houses that my family lived in, we had coal heat. And so we had to learn how to stoke the coals to keep the fire burning. And we learned that you have to work on those coals all day long. You can't assume you're going to have heat all day just because you had heat in the morning. It's great that you worked your coals in the morning, but hey, it doesn't take long before those coals begin to go out. And if you want to keep the fire burning, you got to keep putting more fuel into the fire and you have to work those coals and work those coals. In fact, to really keep the fire burning, you need to go pay attention to those coals about once an hour. And later, when Denise and I moved to the city of Riga with our sons, we moved into a house which was supposed to have central citywide heating by the winter. Now, citywide heating means radiator heating, not central air. But guess what? Even though we installed all the new pipes, everything was ready for the central city system, they didn't turn it on to our building. Now, winter came, and hey, our part of the world gets pretty cold. And so here we were walking around our house in big coats. We could see our breath in our house. But in our house, which was an apartment in the very middle of Riga, Latvia, we had fireplaces, not fireplaces like you know, but these were big furnaces that were over 100 years old. They were beautifully decorated, but we didn't have any fuel. Well, it doesn't do any good to have a fireplace or a furnace if you don't have fuel. And because we lived in the center of the city, we couldn't transport fuel to where we lived. 
And so here we were living with our family in a big apartment that was so cold we could see our breath. And one day Denise and I were sitting in the living room in our coats. Denise had on hat. She had on gloves <laughs> in our house. And suddenly our sons threw on their coats and ran out the front door. And I said to Denise, I wonder where they're going. Well, soon here they came back through the door carrying armloads of wood. And I said to the boys, where did you get that wood? Well, let me tell you where they got it. Our apartment was the first apartment to be renovated in our entire building. And that means all of the other apartments were derelict and they had completely fallen into ruin. The apartment below us was so ruined, so derelict, it didn't even have any windows, which contributed to our cold situation because wind was just blowing through that apartment and all that cold air was affecting where we lived. Well, the boys had gone down to that apartment and the parquet floors of that apartment were so ruined that they were warped, some of them were burned, and the boys said to each other, hey, we know where to get some fuel. And they went down to that apartment and began to rip up the parquet. And it was amazing parquet, but it could not be restored because it was so ruined. Some of it was maple, some of it was hickory, some of it was ebony. And they ripped up all that parquet and came walking back into our apartment with armloads of old parquet and began putting it into the central furnace in our apartment. They lit a fire and soon... That furnace was putting out heat. Wow, we finally had heat in the furnace. But to keep the heat burning, we had to keep putting more fuel on the fire. And we had a very long metal poker. And every member of our family learned how to open the door to that furnace, put that poker into that furnace, and begin to stir those embers and keep that fire burning. The fire was not going to continually burn by itself. It required our participation. And if we chose to ignore those embers, then we would reap the consequences of being cold. That may be what has happened to you. It may be that there was a time when the fire of God was raging in your life, but because you got busy or other things took your attention or just time has gone by or you fell out of the habit of stirring the coals, you're no longer burning like you once spiritually burned. Well, what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't sit around and just say, I wish I was like I used to be. You don't even say, I wish that somebody would come lay their hands on me. Paul doesn't say that. He says to Timothy, Timothy, it's up to you. It's your furnace. It's your heart. And what takes place in your heart is up to you. And I'm telling you, you need to be spiritually proactive. You need to be putting more fuel in the fire. You need to stick the poker in your fire. You need to stoke the coals. You need to fan the flames. Do it all over again like you used to do it. And my friends, I want to tell you, this is an essential part of your spiritual diet. Part of it involves reading the Bible. Part of it involves praying in tongues. Part of it involves serving others. Part of it involves using your gifts. Part of it involves using your faith. All of these things are part of the poker that stirs the flame, which is deep inside your heart. 
But I want to tell you that if you want the gift of God in your life to really burn, then you are responsible to stir it up. God did his part by putting his sperm in you. He put his seed in you. God did the greatest thing, but now it's up to you to fan it into a great raging flame of fire. And if you'll ask the Holy Spirit, he'll show you how to do it. But this week we've seen number one, Above everything else, you need to spend time with God. That's number one. Number two, in your daily spiritual diet, you need to be quiet. You may have to carve out time to be quiet, but you need to do it. And while you're in that time of quiet, getting in touch with yourself and your own heart also sees the opportunity to pray. Number three, we've seen that you need to do something for someone else. You need to get your mind off yourself and release the gift of God that is in you. It will bless others and it will set you free from yourself. Then we saw yesterday that there are some things that you need to say no to. Maybe you've been saying yes to too many things. It's really essential in your spiritual diet that you learn to say no. And we saw that in Titus chapter two, the grace of God has appeared to teach us how to say no. And if you don't know how to say no, the Holy Spirit will teach you how to say no. And today we've seen that you need to stir up the gift of God that is inside you. All of these are essential elements for your spiritual diet if you want to be spiritually healthy. Don't eat just on a bunch of spiritual junk. You really need meat and potatoes in your diet if you're going to be spiritually healthy. And that's what I've been teaching you this week. But I'll be back in just a moment and I'm going to pray for you. Learning to eat correctly can make all the difference in the quality of a person's life. Eat wrong, and you'll be too skinny or too fat and unhealthy. Eat right, and you'll be healthy and strong. The same is true spiritually. But do you know the essentials you need in your spiritual diet so you'll be in good spiritual condition and be able to run a long and productive race in your life? In this simple and practical five-part series, What You Need in Your Spiritual Diet, Rick covers five essential ingredients you need in order to be spiritually healthy and strong. Rick will show you how to spend time with God, be quiet and pray, do something for someone else, say no to some things, stir up the gift of God inside you. This series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. We're also offering Unlikely, Rick and Denise's life story of how God chose their unlikely family to be used in a spectacular way in a foreign land. Rick says God enjoys using those whom the world would never choose. If you feel unlikely to be used for God's purposes, I believe this book will thrill your heart and help you stay the course. This history-filled autobiography, Unlikely, can be yours for just $25. And be sure to go to renner.org to download the free recipes for the tasty dishes that are prepared on this program. Don't miss these special offers, this series, What You Need in Your Spiritual Diet, the book, Unlikely, and free recipes. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and today I want to give you a report about what's happening in the construction of our new studio. Work still continues. 
It's taken a little bit longer than we anticipated because of all the sanctions that have stopped materials from coming to Russia. But we're doing it step by step. And today, they're installing the fireplace, which is going to be the centerpiece of this big room where we're going to be filming programs. But hey, there's more than this. Let me show you. Well, I know you can't tell from what it looks like right now, but this really is gonna be one of the smaller studios. And this is gonna be Denise's studio because Denise is reaching women everywhere with her programming. And right from this spot, Denise is going to be sending her teaching to women all over the world. But hey, there's another set in addition to this one. This is our third studio in this new building. You may say, why do you need three studios? Because we're filming a lot of programs. Right now, we can only film one program at a time. We have to set it up, take it down, but this will enable us to do multiple things at one time. But on both floors of this building, there are multiple offices. In fact, there are 18 offices, and in all of these offices, people are going to be doing editing, writing, producing programs, working with our network, and it's not about buildings, it's about people. People need the teaching of the Word of God. But right now we're in phase three of our ministry, which is paying off our Tulsa ministry headquarters. We want to pay it off because the moment it's paid off, all of those funds will be released for us to broadcast the teaching of the Word of God around the world. And that's really our goal, to get the gospel and to teach people the Bible all over the world. They're just crying out for it and they're waiting for that signal to come with the answer that they've been seeking. So please help us as we finish phase three to pay off the Tulsa facility. Well, we've had quite a week. We've shown you how to cook various Russian dishes, and I hope that you've enjoyed that. Please go to our website so you can download all those recipes. And by the way, we want to know what you think of them once you eat them. Let us know what you think. And we've also been teaching you about what you need in your spiritual diet. It's five parts. It comes in many formats and it comes with a wonderful study guide. And today is the last day which we're offering it on the program. And I really want you to have this. So go online or give us a call so you can order yours today. And today is the last day on the program this week, which we're offering our autobiography biography called Unlikely, our faith-filled journey to the ends of the earth. And in this autobiography, there are 90 pages of full-color photos showing our entire life journey. It is amazing, including all the things that we have witnessed here in Russia and in the lands of the former Soviet Union. This book will really stir your faith. You'll say, hey, if God could use people like Rick and Denise Renner, then Maybe he'll use me too. Well, that's why I wrote the book. I want you to believe that God can use you. You are not as unlikely as you think. And if you think you're unlikely, then you're the one that God wants to use. So please order this by going online or by giving us a call. And please, when you reach out to us, please let us know how to pray for you. We're waiting for the phone to ring right now so we can hear from you or for your email to show up in our inbox. But Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that you really so practically teach us what we need in our spiritual diets so we can be healthy and strong. Help us to eat the right spiritual foods so we can serve you and others our long, long time. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I'll see you in the next program. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. This program was made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries.